$2,000 a month. It's absolutely nuts. Well, there are a lot of nutcases in the world, and it seems like Billy Joe Gray, he's 25 years old, he has found so many of them with his OnlyFans page, and he runs it with his fiance. and like I said, they make about $2,000 a month off of it. No, I'm not talking about naked pics here, okay? Just dirty socks. That's right. The two of them are selling used socks, and they say the sweatier the better, okay? He claims to wear the socks for days at a time before mailing them off, of course, in a Ziploc bag, so that this way the smell is still in there. They go for about $30 a pair, and get this, business is so good on OnlyFans, I kid you not, that he said that they are now expanding and they're branching out to used underwear. Oh, I knew that was coming next. Yes, and the requests are so much that they're getting their brothers and sisters involved in the act. So instead of just OnlyFans, now now they're moving to OnlyFams. Get it? (laughs) Oh, I know. Can you imagine that? Selling dirty socks and dirty underwear? I would never. No. That's right. It's Tech Refresh. It's your weekly fun show about all things digital. And just a quick reminder that we're brought to you by the current newsletter. If you love Tech Refresh, you're going to love the email newsletter component. And you can sign up. You can see a sample. You can get it for free right now over at getthecurrent.com. Once again, that's getthecurrent.com. And joining us this week on Tech Refresh, as always, we have our amazing Ali Seligman, our content queen and crypto gal. What do you have coming up for us, Al? I'm going to tell you about Google's new notifications, a smart way to get free audiobooks without having to make another new account anywhere, and the most important thing to know if you create your own cryptocurrency wallet. Which is... How not to lose your money, right? Exactly. Is that it? Okay, yeah. all right. And then, of course, we have our trusty news director and our battery bad boy, Baron Ben Bradley. <laughs> Try to say that eight times, okay? Uh, what do you have on tap for us, Ben? Well, more fully electric vehicles are finally hitting the streets from brands other than Tesla. And a new scam to watch for, this one can show up at your front door. Ooh. All right. And our magnificent millennial, Matthew, well, he's a little under the weather this week, but he'll be back next week. And how about we get started with the news, some important tech developments to keep you in the know. And I don't know, have any of you heard that, well, Elon Musk, he bought Twitter. Did you hear about that? Wait, what? I know. (laughs) Is that not just a rumor? (laughs) I know, exactly. Uh, $44 billion. Yes, pocket change for Musk. He's the CEO of Tesla, of course, and SpaceX and the richest man on Earth. So what will a Elon Musk Twitter look like? Well, they're saying big changes are coming because Elon Musk believes in real free speech. So some of Twitter's liberal activist employees and also accounts, they are quitting. Uh, Some accounts are being reinstated. President Trump says, hey, Elon, even if you reinstate my account, I'm not coming back. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, Conservatives are rejoicing. Progressives are discombobulating especially people like Robert Reich, Bill Clinton's former labor secretary. He was talking about Twitter. And he said that democracies like America, in order to survive, you've got to have censorship. Hmm. You know, I couldn't find anything in the First Amendment about that. But I will tell you that yesterday I had lunch with somebody who's very liberal. And I don't like to talk politics. And I said this to her. I said, you know, about the democracy and censorship. And she looked at me and she said, well, how can you have a democracy without censorship? And I'm like, oh, okay, time for us to go right now. Uh, And how the media is reacting to Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, he actually owns Washington Post. And they had a headline that said, how to lock down your Twitter data or leave. 
before Musk takes over. Uh, the Daily Mail said rebellious employees call the deal dangerous for democracy. Uh, the New York Times says Twitter under Elon Musk will be a very scary place. And the LA Times, how Musk is going to ruin Twitter. Uh, from Fox News, many Twitter employees are too shocked to speak over the billionaire's plans to promote freedom of speech. Think about that. They're just too shocked to speak. And apparently all these Slack messages are now becoming uh, public. And free speech is causing them panic and fear. But, you know, I started thinking about that. Why don't we just tell everybody, if they don't like what they see on Twitter, to kind of react the same way they do with porn online, right? If you don't want to see it, you don't go looking for it, okay? <laughs> Close the tab. I, that's it. All right, let's move on to my favorite topic, EVs, electric vehicles. How about that, Ben? Oh, yeah. Well, after years of, you know, domination by Tesla, you actually have real progress from established automakers, you know, some that have been around for decades or more than 100 years. Ford, for instance, has the uh, the Mustang Mach-E. Not really a Mustang, but that's besides the point. And now their F-150 Lightning is actually in production. That's the truck that can power your house during an outage. And they just teased uh, a new pickup coming soon that's going to be electric also. I don't know if it's going to be the Ranger or Maverick or what. GM, you've got the Hummer is back. <laughs> Gosh. With the, as a GMC. Is it as big as the original Hummer? Oh, it's big. They, yeah, they've got a – it's a pickup right now. It's a, it's a really large pickup, and I guess they're going to – uh, later down the line, it'll be uh, an SUV again, too. So Wow, that thing was a monster. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, the Chevy Silverado EVs on the way. You've got the Ram EVs on the way. And just this week, plans that the Corvette, yes, the iconic Corvette is coming next year as an EV. And I'll tell you, a lot of Corvette people who I know, they're saying, hey, this is not right. The Corvette <laughs> was never ever made to be silent. I mean, you have this Corvette going down the road. It doesn't make a sound. What's going on? <laughs> just put some speakers on. Maybe it, that'll know? be a good aftermarket product for, for EVs eventually. Just like, here, you can have some fake sound. Maybe you could get the deal doing the voiceovers, Kim. That was good. Yeah, you know what? Thank you. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it out. I'll send some samples out. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Even though they're here, it's so slow. You know, you've got, like I mentioned, they're like, you know, a few on the road. But every time a new one is announced, it's coming next year or, you know, brace yourselves for 2025. Maybe we'll have one in your driveway by the time you retire. There's such a long waiting list for so many of these. Uh, and I get it, new tech and all that. But, I mean, think about how long hybrids have been on the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Allie, I have a question yeah. for you because, Kim, you know this. You don't spoil okay. this. Hybrids have been on the road for, you know, 20, 25 years. When was the first true hybrid car built? Oh, I'm going to say a long time ago, like 100 years ago. Pick a year. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, we don't play games here. I'm going to say 1914. Close, but no. You lose. It was called the Semper Vivus, built by a 25-year-old German engineer by the name of Ferdinand Porsche. Ooh. And it happened in the year 1900. Yes. Ooh. Yes. You know what? I had the person I had lunch with yesterday, she drives the Tesla and she really has. And this is a true thing. People have EV anxiety. Oh, for I sure. Mean, I'm not, this is not a joke. Is that they go down the road and they think, oh, my gosh, what if I run out of a charge? That's why I have a hybrid. And that's why I bought a hybrid, because, you know, at the time when we were shopping, it was like, well, what if we want to drive to California? What if we want to go somewhere far? I don't want to have to worry about that. So we get like 25 miles on the electric and then just gas. 
Well, I got pretty ticked off at Ford because my allocation was suddenly not an allocation. Uh And so I didn't like say I don't want the Ford 150 because I still (laughs) I don't know why I would want the Ford 150. (laughs) But I thought, you know what, to power my own house with the Ford 150, maybe I might need that someday. But anyway, I did. Yes, I did. I gave in and I bought and actually I put my order in for the Tesla the other day. Yes. And I bought the Plaid. Uh, with all the bells and whistles. There aren't a lot of bells and whistles to go along with it. And then so what happened was Ian and I were together and we just ordered it. You put $250 down. It's non-refundable. And I was at lunch with Barry and he's like, so how was your day? And I said, oh, I forgot to tell you, I ordered a Tesla today. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know, honey. How long will it take <laughs> to get it? Uh, June or July. How exciting. That's not bad. Yes. Now, there is a way that you can get one now, supposedly, is that you look at orders that have been canceled. Oh. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, they weren't delivered. Yes, exactly. So there may be some workarounds with that, but I'll just, you know, I'll wait till June or July. That's no big deal. All right, so I have a, a little, this is this is actually a joke that Ian told me. Okay, so I'm going to give this full credit to Ian because we were talking about EVs. And he said, what does a person with diarrhea and an electric car owner have in common? They both hope to make it home. <laughs> That's good, Ian. Very good. All right. So, Allie, talk about Google's new notifications. Yes. If you know me, you know how much I dislike notifications, the buzzes, the dings, all the stuff. It drives me up the wall. I have most of them disabled for most of my stuff, or I have them as, you know, inconspicuous as possible. I know that I'm not alone. I did a Google search for stop phone notifications, 437 million results. (laughs) No way. Really? Yes. (laughs) So most of us hate wow. these things, right? Um, Google just put out a video about their plans for better notifications. They call them little signals. And there's all these words in the video. It's it's less than two minutes, but so many references to things like moments of calm, unassuming, charming, reassuring, gentle, subtle. Okay, well, how? They're not the regular noises and dings and buzzes and all that. There are little things like shadows. Seriously, Imagine a little smart speaker that casts a shadow to tell you something. Uh, There's also a puff of air. In one part of the video, (laughs) another one of these little concept devices, it uses air to flutter the leaves of a plant. I don't know what that would be telling you. Maybe water your plants, whatever. Um, There's a sound Google calls a friendly knock, and there's a reassuring chime. So I will say, a lot of this, it does seem better than the really intrusive notifications. Yeah, I really like those, but there's a moment in the video that made me pause And think like, oh, no, this is going like a little Black Mirror territory to me. And it was when somebody opened a medicine cabinet and this little blue arm dropped down and it knocked on a bottle of pills. Presumably saying, like, take your medication, right? But how many times can these little taps happen before it goes from, like, friendly and reassuring and helpful to kind of menacing? And your tech is kind of running your life for you. Is it a haunted house or is it my phone? Yeah. (laughs) Imagine, you know, you reach into the candy jar and it turns red because you've had enough candy for the day. It's like, or dude, enough already. No more M and M's. You go to get the bottle of wine, and you get a little reminder: Hey, you have an early meeting tomorrow. So <laughs> I think it's a slippery slope. I do really like the idea of less obnoxious notifications. I do too. I really like that because I'm so tired of, like you said, the dings and the swooshes and the whooshes, and it's yes. just enough already. It really is. I uh, the other thing I wonder about is: 
are we too used to how intrusive notifications are? Like, would we notice the puff of air? Would we notice a shadow? Maybe not. And maybe they're, you know, it's better for certain areas. Maybe in your bedroom. Did they you give, only have these Did gentle. they give any inclination when we would actually see this? Or is this like one of those Google lab experiments? Exactly. It's one of those. And so I would imagine we're a few years out. You know, I, I think a lot of people would buy this kind of stuff. I would. And so, yeah, there you go. I think I would too. And so I think it's going to be on their list. Let's get this out there because there's nothing like it. I actually had to disable the ring notification, the doorbell, because I kept hearing it like all the time. You know? And Yes. I have Arlo cameras in front and back and every time the wind blows and yes, a leaf that's goes what in it front is. of it. Oh my gosh. Or, you know, there was a spider on the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get this all the time. Bird flies, a rabbit runs yep. across the driveway. But I just said, this is like weird because you know the phantom vibrations. You thought yes. well, the phone's yeah. in your pocket. You thought it vibrated. Now you're going to be like, did that plant just move? Check my phone. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, the air conditioner just came on. I mean, it's just. You know what? I do have those phantom vibrations. Do you? Yeah. Every once I in do a too, yeah. It's like, and I thought, what, it, it happened to me like the other day and I'm like, okay, this is, this has got to stop. You know, like. <laughs> it's weird, we, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Google, um, I actually gave this tip to our very own Amber Barnett and she is thanking me profusely because she often has to call companies on my behalf say like, you know, whether it's not the cable bill or it's a streaming bill or credit card or power company, whatever it may be. And invariably, they make you sit on hold. Uh, she was recently helping me with some treasury bonds with my mom's estate. She actually sat on hold for two hours and 36 minutes before somebody came back. Well, the next time somebody puts you on hold, Google Assistant can come to your rescue. Dun, 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 dun. And if you have an Android, you may not know that your phone has this built-in feature called Hold For Me. And then when a support rep is ready to speak with you, Google Assistant will notify you, yes, with a sound, a vibration, some type of prompt. And then how you turn it on is when you're placed on hold, you press tap hold for me and then start. And you know it's working when you see don't hang up on your screen. Now, if you use an iPhone, hmm, you're not out of luck. You simply head over to the Apple App Store, download the free Google Assistant app, and then you are all set. And see, that's just an example of the tips that we have coming up. These are insider secrets that you are going to use time and time again. So stay right where you are here with Tech Refresh. Welcome back to Tech Refresh, it's your weekly fun podcast. Yes, about everything digital. And don't forget, you can also rate and review and leave us some nice words over wherever you get your podcast. So that's really important. Give us nice five stars because we are five stars, right? Aren't we five stars? We're five oh, star people. I mean, absolutely. come on. I mean, and if you ever, if you ever have a comment that you'd like to share with us, you can send us an email over at podcast at commando.com. And as I mentioned, this is part of the podcast where we like to give some insider secrets and tips. And coming up, by the way, just to let you know, we have... Uh, some crypto news with Allie. And I've got a story about Beverly Hills real estate moving into the metaverse. And then later on, Ben has a scam alert you need to know. And then also a really funny joke. And I will tell you, last week's joke wasn't so funny. Okay, I get that. <laughs> so I worked extra hard this week to make sure that you will just be LOLing. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Did you get that from the FBI? Yes, I did. Handbook? <laughs> I did. Last week I read that. I've been on that just to make sure that I'm hip, you know, because and I've always people always say, like, if you have to say that you're hip, you're not hip. I mean, that's just it. All right. So do you have any old PCs or laptops just laying around just collecting dust? OK, we all do. Well, there's this new operating system to bring it back to life. And before you sit there and go, 
oh, Kim Camaro, I know all about Linux. I love Linux. Linux is great. Now, nobody tracks me on my Linux. And that's what you're talking about if you use Linux, by the way. Uh, it's not Linux, okay? And what we're talking about is planned obsolescence. It's a problem. Everything is always better and faster and smaller and cheaper. But great news if you have an older laptop or desktop. This new free operating system is available from Google. It's called Chrome OS Flex. And it's a version of Chrome that you can use on your uh, laptop or desktop that's not a Chromebook. Okay, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It's not Windows. It's not Mac. Think of it just as a snazzy web browser that does a lot of work for you. And the system requirements are really pretty basic. You need an Intel or AMD chip, 4 gigs of RAM, 16 gigs of storage space, and a USB drive. If you want the steps on how to use it, install it, you can find exactly what you need over at commando.com. All right, Ben, give us a great tip that we're going to, like, bow down and say, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. This is awesome because you don't think about some things like this. Like, how many apps are actually in Apple's App Store? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I saw that number. It was, like... Like a million or two million or? Over two million. Over two million. Wow. Google Play, 3.3 million. Oh. And that's just the apps in these official stores. That's not even all the, the sketchy stuff on the side. But, you know, you have all these app stores and you have these bad apps that get through and they get pulled and all that. But others collect more of your data than they need anyway. And one of the features that just didn't get a whole lot of notoriety when it came out last December as part of iOS 15.2 is called the app privacy report. And that's built into your iPhone. And it basically gives you a whole report on what the apps on your phone are doing. What data are they looking at? You know, how many are accessing your data and what kinds of data they're, you know, it, are they accessing your camera, your microphone, location. your contacts, you know, your location? Yes. And, you know, there are certain apps that just don't need to be using your camera, you know, <laughs> weather apps or you know, scanner apps. I mean, they just... That's, so it's, it's actually a very, very good idea. And it, Android 12 just came out with uh, their own version. It's uh, the privacy dashboard. It's not quite as polished as uh, the iOS version, a uh, little clunkier user interface. But same idea, what apps are accessing what. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that you have to enable. I don't know why, but it's in the privacy settings. We actually just posted uh, something with all the steps on how to do that for both iPhone and Android. And these work in conjunction. Like, the iPhone works in conjunction with those privacy nutrition labels. Oh, nice. So you guys go to the App Store, and you, you see those little labels now. What information does this collect? Do you guys look at those? No. Okay. I kind of scan, you know. Do you, do you, Allie, do you look at them? Uh, no, not really. No. I just, I'm like, okay, I need that app. The only it. thing that ever kind of gets catches my eye is when I open an app, and that little green icon comes on to say, this oh, is going to use your camera. Yes. Yeah. So. You, you know what? That happened to me today. Yeah. <laughs> I was on my I was on my iMac. I almost I look up, and that green thing came <gasps> on. I'm like, I know. So I restarted. But anyway, so I guess so. The <laughs> whole idea, Ben, is that you don't have to read the terms and conditions because nobody ever yeah. read those anyway. You just scan. It's like picking up, you know, canned good at the store and just kind of reading the highlights. That's what this is supposed to be like. Oh, what kind of data does this take? What does it want? What kind of permissions? So, and Google just this week announced their own you know, quote-unquote nutrition labels are rolling out now and over the next few weeks to uh, Androids. So huh. maybe we should start looking at them. <laughs> I mean... I think we should. This, you know, because it seems like that would be like a good citizen thing to do. 
right? Also, we could do that research, and wouldn't that be a lovely article for commando.com, all these apps collecting stuff that you didn't realize? Yeah, let's do that. Like okay. the top 10 most intrusive apps ever. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And it will be shocking to you. <laughs> I'm Good. shocked already. I am too. All right. So tell us about free audiobooks, Al. Yes, a money-saving tip for you. Audiobooks are expensive. I'm always shocked every time I go to Audible and see that it's like 15 bucks a month for one book. Wow. If you read a lot, that really adds up, right? You can buy extra credits, but it's a lot of money. Well, here is a way to get free audiobooks. You don't have to make a new account. You don't have to even have a library card. It's through YouTube. There are a ton of full audiobooks just on YouTube. Is the, is the quality of the audiobooks any good? It is. Yeah, the quality is good. I'm not going to say that you can find every single thing you want, but there are a lot. I searched for a bunch of popular titles just to see if I could find them. Um, yes, I found Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I found the Lord of the Rings books. If you're feeling self-helpy, I found a lot of Tony Robbins stuff. So there's a full gamut of books out there. One little caveat I cannot guarantee that the people posting these have the full rights to do it. Yeah. So maybe don't upload books yourself, but you should be fine just to listen. Um, to find what you're looking for, just type the title along with the word audiobook and see what comes up. You're going to look for either a playlist or a really long video. We're talking like, you know, six, eight hours. <laughs> and here's a little pro tip to make it better. So normally with the YouTube app, you have to keep it open and active on your phone and keep your phone screen on for the video to play. Well, with YouTube Premium, you can lock your phone, you can have another app up, uh, and you can still listen. It is like eleven ninety five a month, but oh, you I, get. Yeah, I was just going to say that. But oh. wait, you can get three months free. Okay. So right. maybe for your summer travels, if you want, you know, some videos, you're also able to download the content to listen to or watch whenever you want with YouTube Premium. So summer months could be a good time to try out that trial if you want to. So it's how much? Eleven dollars and ninety nine cents a month. Wow. You know what? I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of all these different streaming services. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've been, I was asked to maybe be part of a Bravo show. I'm not going to say anything about it. But in order to look at past episodes, I had to sign up <laughs> for the Peacock service. Of course you did. And then, and then I'm like, I don't want the Peacock service. And it says, or you can buy the whole season <laughs> for $15. <laughs> or you can just look at highlights on YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll just look at highlights. It's kind of like the boiling the frog situation, right? We didn't realize slowly over time, $5 here, $10 yes. here, 5 And then it's like, oh, I spent $100 a month on this. Yeah, so much for cutting the Netflix cable. Netflix is uh, realizing that, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is true. All right, so now it's time for us to play a little trivia pursuit. And every week, one of us takes a turn. And Oh, I, Allie, it's going to... She's, you know, yours are always really tough. I have to say, they just, <laughs> they really make me think. So Matt's not here because he's normally like that whiz guy on Trivia Pursuit. So um, take it away, Al. Okay, I figured if there was ever a week for Twitter trivia, this is it. That's true. Um, my question is not, what was the first tweet? That was from Jack Dorsey, March 2006, just setting up my Twitter. And back then they wrote it without the vowels, T-W-T. I'm not going to make you guess what the site was almost named, but here were a few contenders. Twitch, which I'm sure Twitch is glad yes. that they didn't go with that one. Uh, Jitter, kind of weird. Friendstalker. Seriously, though. Oh, that's nice. Friendstalker? <laughs> yeah. Which, shouldn't that be what Facebook was called, honestly? Okay. No, my question for you is, what is the name of that little bird, Twitter's mascot? Yes, it has a name. And oh, what is it? Man. Okay. A, Larry. B, Robin. C, Polly. Or D, Sergey. Wow. 
Okay, because like Sergey, as in Sergey Bren from Google. Um, oh, I I'm gonna go with Larry. I'm thinking Larry. I'm thinking Larry. I don't think that's right. I can tell by looking at your face, but I'm gonna stick with Larry. Um, what say you, Ben? I'm gonna need those uh, B and C options again. Sure. Uh, B was Robin, and C is Polly. Might be Polly. Hmm. It might be might be Sergey. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> have you made your final guess? <laughs> All right. I didn't even know that bird had a name, but I'm going to make some more sense to me. It's going to be it's Polly sounds right, and I'm going to guess from Matt. He's going to guess Sergey. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. All right. <laughs> fine, fine. We'll have the standing yes. Okay, Kim, is that your final answer? Yeah, I'm lost. I'm sure. The answer is. Larry. Oh, it was oh, Larry. Look at that. <laughs> Larry as in Larry Bird, the basketball player. Um, oh. One of the fo- co-founders, Biz Stone, is from Massachusetts. Larry's a famous Celtic. Yeah. So that seems to be the tie in there. Well, you know, every t- th- that was really good, Al. The thing about that first tweet, and you guys know this, is that it was sold as an NFT a couple of years ago for $2.9 million to a crypto entrepreneur. Uh, who says that he needs to sell it because he was in prison, in Iranian prison, for for disrupting the economy in Iran uh, for nine months. And his business was kind of going down the crapper, so he thought he would sell this 2.9 NFT. Uh, he thought he'd get about $50 million for it. <laughs> uh, he offered to donate $25 million to uh, whoever bought it, their favorite charity. What a nice guy. Um well, I think it was the highest bid was $280. And then somebody has hence said, okay, I'll give you 10 grand for it. <laughs> so he's still Feels bad. sitting there saying, uh, how do we do? Hey, uh, speaking of NFTs, we're going to be talking more about that coming right up, as well as we have crypto news about wallets. And Ben's going to be telling us about scammers that not only are going after you online, but they actually may be showing up at your house. And then don't forget, A great joke at the end to make you laugh out loud like crazy here on Tech Refresh. Welcome back to Tech Refresh. It's your weekly fun podcast about everything digital. You know that. And this really caught my attention. Uh, 1928 home, Spanish style, in the flats of Beverly Hills. Now, the flats of Beverly Hills is the expensive part. That's where, like... Down and out in Beverly Hills. That's where that house was. Um, The Beverly Hillbillies, they lived in the flats. Okay. So it's really the area between like Sunset Boulevard and say Santa Monica Boulevard. So, and and it's called the flats and they've got names like Maple and Ash and things like that. It's a really trendy, exclusive neighborhood. So they're selling this about 5,000 square foot house for $9.4 million. Okay. Um, that's nice. But here's the deal. Is that you also have the opportunity to purchase a sister residence. So it does not include it. But you can purchase the sister residence in Decentraland, a 3D world, for an additional $100,000. Oh, what a bargain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? If you're going to shell out $9.4 million for 5000 square, what's another hundred grand? What do you care? Get up and take my crypto, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so, but that's really interesting to me. I was talking to Ian about this, too, because he's really, well, he's getting a degree in real estate development. So that's why a lot of this real estate stuff crosses my plate. 
Um, but there are investors who are concerned that our unprecedented real estate market is a bubble and the bubble is now bursting. So they're selling real property and they're putting their money in a digital land grab. Uh, real estate is exploding and there you can buy and sell buildings, houses, land, islands, whatever it may be. Uh, three of the biggest are Decentraland, I just mentioned, Somnium Space and The Sandbox. Now, the deal is that all three of these virtual worlds have established what they say is a fixed quantity of digital real estate, saying, we're never going to create any, any more ever, ever, ever pinky swear promise, okay? Because <laughs> what would it take there for them to create more land? What? Some more lines of code? Another yeah. server? Another, yeah, there's another server, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. And so because they're saying that they're never going to expand it, the price and value of digital assets, it's growing. It's all about supply and demand. Also, 3D architects are in demand because they're designing the homes and the buildings that are popping up everywhere. At least for me, for the time being, I'm keeping all my real estate investments in the real world. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to get a, a digital version of your new house? No, but I am. You know, the idea of living on a tropical island mm. in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. it does sound very tempting. Um, Just put on your headset. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> But when we start talking about NFTs and crypto and all the scammers and the bad stuff that's going out there, I mean, like, gosh, Ali, you know, that and, and Ben, that guy that called the show lost $107,000. That was so sad. Because he fell for a Coinbase scam. So how do we really protect ourselves? And so, Ali, it's time for you to put on your crypto gal cap and tell us. Indeed. Not too long ago, we talked about how to buy cryptocurrency. When you do that through an exchange... A wallet is created for you, but it's one that the exchange controls. This is called, ready for the, our word of the day, a custodial wallet, as in someone else has custody of it. Now, when you want to take custody of your money, that means you need a wallet that you control. So all of it will be purely under your control. There are two main types of these self-custody wallets. A hot wallet, that's web-based and it's connected to the internet. Usually you use it, you know, in a browser. It's a browser extension or an app or whatever. And a cold wallet. That is a specialized piece of hardware. They kind of look like big thumb drives, and they are not connected to the internet, and they're inherently a little safer. So which one should you use? For most people, the web-based wallet is totally fine. If you have a ton of money in crypto, some really expensive NFTs, things you really want to protect, a hardware wallet is a smart idea. Now, if you're sticking with the web-based, where do you start? What do you do? For the most used blockchain, Ethereum, the most popular wallet is called MetaMask. Now, there's a post up on commando.com where we list links to all the major wallets because I don't want you to go around and try to Google and find them because oh, you'll probably yeah. end up on scammy sites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to put up the links for you, including MetaMask, which is the big one. And we'll do some links to hardware wallets in case you want to go that route. Now, my biggest piece of advice here, once you do take full control of your crypto, when you're setting up your wallet, you'll get what's called a seed phrase. Now, this is usually 12 or 16 words. They're just common words, kind of a random list. This is the key to unlock your wallet. You know those headlines about someone who has like, you know, $7 million in lost Bitcoin? Yeah. It's because they lost their seed phrase. So don't be that person. Don't be that dummy. Don't. <laughs> okay. Make sure you write it down. And I am talking, yes, write it down on a piece of paper with a pen and store it somewhere safe. Don't put it in your iCloud. Don't put it in your Google Drive. Those can be hacked. Don't save it to your desktop. That is so dangerous. A hard paper copy is really the way to go. If someone gets your seed phrase, they get control of your wallet and everything in it. It becomes theirs. So make sure you keep it safe. Keep it somewhere protected. So, Ben, do you have any crypto? No, not yet. 
Why not? <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, I I try. I don't. I don't even gamble. Like I don't do you know sports betting or anything like that. And for me, it's 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 always kind of been in that. And it, it's not so much anymore because it's it is mainstream. But I I just haven't uh, dipped my toe in yet as far as like which crypto I'm going to try out first. And you know and obviously which wallet it is actually on my to-do list oh look at that see uh, maybe we'll convert ben and then we can do a, a crypto newbie and then he has a new name bitcoin ben Ooh. <laughs> okay like, <laughs> we like another that B. all right speaking of ben coming right back here on tech refresh we have a scam that you need to know about and of course a really funny joke at the end you don't want to miss Hey, welcome back to Tech Refresh, your weekly fun podcast about everything digital. And Ben, tell us what's going on. Okay, well, impersonation scams, I know you've heard of them. They're so played out. You get the calls. that It's the IRS. It's the FBI. You owe some kind of balance. You're going to go to jail. Pay us in Bitcoin or in gift cards. Gift cards. Yeah, I mean, it's just been going on forever. Well, you have all these other, you know, imp- imposter scams going on, different businesses. Well, this one, uh, the Better Business Bureau just put out an alert about they might call you. They might also come knocking at your door. And basically, they, they come posing as local government uh, utility or, or utility company reps. And here's what's going on. They, they may be wearing, you know, they come to your door, they're wearing some kind of uniform. They may even have ID because you know, nobody can make fi- fake IDs. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and it's the timing. It's getting warmer outside. So they, come, you know, they call, they come to your door, and they're saying, hey, we can help you save all kinds of money on your bills by doing this energy audit. And they kind of, you know, push their way in. They want to tour your home and look at your thermostats and your windows and tell you all these things they can bring in, uh, you know, to install and that you can sign up for and you'll save all this money. And then they try pushing you into like signing a contract or, you know, buying, you know, smart energy monitoring equipment that that'll come at a later date. And so they want your credit card info, your debit card, whatever else. And then, of course, you never see them again. You never hear from them again. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, like, you may think it's real. Mm-hmm. It is not. And they just get more convincing, especially if they come up, you know, looking the part. So, uh, anyway, we have all the tells, everything to look for on the site. But basically, th- these energy audits, they, they do happen. They don't come to your door. And you can actually, at energy.gov, you can actually find links to reputable companies or actual government agencies in your area that will come out and look at, at your situation and make suggestions. And if any, you know, you get calls like this, they come to your door, you can call your utility company to verify that, hey, you don't have anybody in the neighborhood, right? And at the very least, you're letting them know that someone is posing. You know, and this is really something important that you need to tell your older family members and friends. Absolutely. I mean, because they're the ones that are more likely to fall for something like this. And so it's really important that you do that. All right, good stuff, Ben. All right, are you ready for... A great joke. It's I've what we've ready. all been waiting for. Okay. All right. So we're, it's a joke with Elon Musk. Mm, okay. Because okay. he's in the news. So Elon Musk, Tom Brady, a mailman, and the Dalai Lama are on a plane when they suddenly enter some extremely difficult, hard turbulence. The pilot enters the room of the plane and says, bad news. The plane is damaged too bad to fix. We have maybe five minutes before we're just going to all have to abandon the plane. Now, unfortunately, when they grab the parachutes, they see that one has this huge rip through the middle. You can't use it, which leaves four parachutes for the five of them. And the pilot says, hey, I'm the pilot. 
I'm out of here first, just telling you. And before anybody can argue, he grabs the parachute pack and jumps out of the plane. Uh, I'm the world's greatest football player, and the world needs great football players, so I should live too, brags Tom Brady. And he grabs the second parachute and jumps out of the plane. And then comes Elon Musk. I'm the world's smartest and richest man, and I need to keep moving technology and the world forward into space, so I need to live too. He grabs a peck and jumps out of the plane. That leaves the mailman and the Dalai Lama. Before the mailman can say anything, the Dalai Lama looks at him and says, hey, don't worry, I have lived a complete long life compared to you. I am happy to go down with the plane. The mailman says, you don't have to do that, the Dalai Lama. The world's smartest and richest man just jumped out of the plane with my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, see, I knew you'd laugh. That's, That's good. good. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, give us some nice, what was that number we need, guys? The five. 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 Yes, a great five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Tell all your family members and friends, and we'll see you again here next week. 